right, High Desert Word Center, welcome to Wednesday night service. Amen. Who's excited to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Amen. Well, we're going to have an awesome time together, getting into God's Word and worshiping and, and of course, fellowshipping. It's going to be fantastic. We want to welcome back uh, Raymond from Honduras, everybody. Amen. <laughs> And the rest of the team, I uh, don't see them. Oh, there's Cindy back there uh, having a good time in the coffee bar. Amen. We love her. We love her. Amen. She's not even catching her. It's okay. Just let her go. Let her go. Hi, Cindy. We love you. Welcome home. All right. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yes. Well, on Sunday, I'm going to have them share some uh, testimonies and stories with us uh, from the trip. And Pastor and Mrs. Pastor, too. Uh, we're excited to hear what God did down there. And I know you guys are as well. So it's going to be great. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up together. We are going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. It's almost the 4th of July, right? So what an excellent time of the year to really be using our faith for our nation. Amen. Let's say it together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, give the Lord some praise tonight. And you may be seated. All right, we'll get into some announcements here and uh, and see what all is going on. Quick little reminder and PSA, we do this occasionally, but moms and dads, you know, if you're like me, hey, uh, let's help keep an eye on the kiddos uh, around the property. You know, sometimes uh, they have a little bit of fun and we want that because we are a family church with a whole lot of kids, but just make sure we're helping them, uh, keep an eye on them and picking up their stuff and all that, all right? Can we do that together? Amen, you're the best, I knew you could. All right, praise God. Uh, Hey, tomorrow morning is the funeral for Louis Mata. That is Lawrence's uh, father. And so that's going to be at 10 a.m. And so, of course, anybody from the church family is uh, certainly invited to come and, and be supportive and show some love to the family. Um, immediately after service, uh, we're going to be, uh, they've got some tables and stuff being delivered next door. If we get a few good, able-bodied men or women to help us stack, you know, get the table set up, that would be greatly appreciated. So, Right after service, we'll send a few of us over there to help out with that, all right? Uh, listen, this Saturday is the first Saturday of the month. We're not going to do men's meeting uh, with the with it being the holiday weekend and all that stuff. Lots of guys out of town. So no men's meeting for July, but there will be in August. So we'll be there for that. And here is a wonderful announcement. Membership class is coming up, boys and girls. Who's ready? Yeah. All right. Man, we got like a lot of names on there already after one week. That's awesome. So it's going to be uh, Sunday, July 9th from 4 to 7 p.m. And uh, it'll be next door in the Victory Hall building. And uh, man, if you're not a member yet, but you just know that, hey, this is my church. Well, we would love for you to make it official. I kind of say it's like, hey, you're putting a ring on that finger. Can somebody say amen? All right. Maybe. I don't know. Hey. 
Someone needed that. Okay. So uh, anyway, 4 to 7 p.m. Uh, it's a great time to learn some of our church history, our church beliefs, and look at our church future because the future is super bright. And I always got to throw this in. Snacks are provided. I don't know if some of you that kind of pushes you over the edge. So I'm just telling you there are snacks there. So amen on that. Uh, next thing, and this is also really exciting. We're doing a good old-fashioned summer family church barbecue. Uh, yeah, amen. On Sunday night, July 16th at 6 p.m. So that evening, instead of having regular church service, we're just going to have a a nice time together. Uh, We will have a sign-up sheet on Sunday to pass around. It'll be pitch-in style because you know that's how we roll around here. And you can sign up to bring uh, what needs brought. And we'll have the grills out there. It is going to be an awesome, awesome family time together. And then baptisms are also coming up at the end of July on Sunday, July 30th. So go ahead and if you have not been baptized, I'm telling you, uh, you need to be baptized. And we understand that this is not uh, what earns your salvation. We get that. But baptism is a very important part of your faith. And and, uh, the way that I always tell people is if Jesus himself thought it was important for him to get baptized... I think that uh, I need to get baptized too, amen. So uh, go ahead and sign up for that if you've never been baptized or as we so often see, maybe you were baptized as a child or an infant and you didn't even know what was going on. Well, I think it's a great idea to get baptized as an adult as well uh, of your own choice and your own free will. So uh, praise the Lord for that. And also this isn't on there. We are working out another big High Desert Word Center pool party at the Henderson Pool. I think we have a tentative date of August the 4th. We're trying to get that locked in. But last year, it was fun. This year, they've let us up the number of people we can bring by a little bit. So uh, we can have, a, I think, 125 people. Last year, it was only 100. So if you couldn't go last year, well, this could be your very year to have a lot of fun at the pool with us. I mean, and who wouldn't want to go to the pool with all these wonders? Look around you. Come on, yeah. Yeah, these people don't have, they don't have a pool party. So uh, let's do this and uh, we'll, we'll have an official date on that really soon. Amen. All right. That's all the announcements for right now. So who knows what time it is now? Yeah, it's happy time. And that means that it's time for some tithes and offerings. So Mrs. Pastor is going to do that for us tonight. Amen. All right. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. How's everybody doing? Blessed. It's a good thing you're blessed. Hi, Billy. Okay. Tonight I am in Proverbs 10.22. I'm in the New King James. Short and sweet verse, but boy, is it powerful and so truthful. It says, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich. And here's the kicker. He adds no sorrow with it. So when the Lord... You know, you you do things God's way, okay? You don't do things the world's way. You do things God's way. God has a financial system, and it concludes and it includes tithes and offerings and things like that. But when we do things God's way, and He pours wealth upon us, and you know, it may not come overnight. That doesn't make any difference. But eventually, it will come. You know, like we've told you before, the house that we live in now. I never dreamed I would ever live in a house like this. It was God all the way. Take take no credit for it. It's a God thing. And what he did for us, he'll do for you if you do what the word of God says. Okay? And so, like, I like to say it this way. 
We're, we have been saving money for a car for a while. We bought a truck, and now we're saving money for a car. We don't care if you don't like what we drive. That's your problem, not ours. They're all paid for. You understand what I'm saying? But when it comes to the point where we've got enough money to go out and pay cash for another car, there's no sorrow with that. I hate car payments. I don't even like mortgage payments. And so one of these days, real soon, our house will be paid off as well. So anyway, God does not want you going in debt. So don't go in debt and then tell everybody that you're prosperous because you look prosperous. You have a brand new car, but you're in hock for the next 10 years. That's not a blessing. You understand what I'm saying? So do things God's way and you will be blessed. I promise. Amen. All right, let's stand up and say our financial faith confession. Oh, also, while we're at it, the July devotional hard copies are in. They're back on the info booth, so make sure you grab one for yourself or the long copy, the long version will be on the Internet soon. Okay, here we go. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so that I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously into the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Feel free to join us at the altar for worship And let's worship the Lord together tonight See you in my, oh, you brought me back to life. 
You are the resurrector. You conquered the grave. You pulled me from the water, free from my chains, and risen to live. Like a river of life in a dry land, like a flicker of sight to a blind man. I saw the glorious light as it broke in. God of mercy and Your 
wonderful to be in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, that we are allowed to come boldly into your presence, boldly under the throne of grace to receive help, to receive favor in our time of need. And Lord, as we were singing right there, we can certainly say great is your faithfulness to us. We thank you, Jesus, that you've never left us alone, that you've never given up on us, Lord, that you've always been there every single time. Lord, you've been there times that we don't even know about yet, and we won't even know until we get to heaven and you tell us about it someday. But Jesus, we love you. We praise you. We glorify your name tonight. And we ask that you would have your way in this service. Have your way. And Lord, you know what each one of us needs to hear. You know what each one of us is going through in our individual lives. And Lord, I pray that we will receive the answers and the direction that we need from your holy word tonight. We love you and we praise your name in Jesus name. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord some praise this evening. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't it good to be in the presence of God? Amen. There's nothing like it. 
nothing like it at all. Amen. And you know, that's something that as a New Testament Christian, we need to be thankful for because you understand that even under the old covenant, under the old Testament, uh, people couldn't just on their own run right into the presence of God. Uh, you had to go through the priest or whatnot and it had to be the right time of year. But as a New Testament Christian, hallelujah, you can come boldly into his presence. Amen. And it's a wonderful thing. All right. Well, uh, we started a new summer Wednesday night series, last Wednesday night. Who knows what we're talking about on Wednesdays? <laughs> who said, who, who said Jesus? All right. Okay. Good job. All right. We're always talking about Jesus. <laughs> Amen. That's what we do. But we are talking about, uh, the wrong font. Anyway, we're talking about the fruit of the spirit. Somebody let's hear it for the fruit of the spirit. Yeah. All right. Amen. All right. Well, praise God. So the fruit of the spirit, and I'm going to do a little bit of review. We're looking at one at a time and uh, breaking it down a little bit. So uh, let's look in the Bible, starting it off to review a little bit at Galatians chapter five, verses 22 and 23. Amen. And so the fruit of the spirit is a very, very, very important part of the Christian doctrine and faith that you need to know. And it seems like a lot of times, uh, you know, it's kind of an easy thing to teach kids about. Uh, it's really set up to do a little series in Sunday school type of thing. But uh, man, the adults got to get a hold of this. And here's the truth is that if you've grown up in church, or you've been in church very long, you've probably heard about the fruit of the spirit. And maybe it's easy to say, oh, yeah, I know all about that. But listen, you got to really know what we're talking about here so you can tap into this. Um, and so let's read this and then we'll do a little bit of review before we hop in to this week's fruit. Amen. <laughs> so Galatians 5, 22, it says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. What is it? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. All right. So there are nine things listed in the fruit of the spirit. And again, we're going to do a little bit of quick uh, recap to catch us up, but the fruit of the spirit could also be described as the proof of the spirit working in your life. Now, this isn't the proof that you've been baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, we see clearly all throughout the book of Acts that the proof of being baptized in the Holy Spirit is the initial evidence of speaking in other tongues. And, you know, that is all over the book of Acts especially. But this is what we're talking about. The fruit of the Spirit is proof that you have been born of the Spirit. In the most basic terms possible, I would say that this is the proof that you're a Christian. And, you know, uh, uh, one way that I, I put it last week is this, is if somebody had to describe you in nine words, okay? If somebody had to describe you like, hey, describe Raymond in nine words. Well, the, I, the, the most ideal thing would be if they could say, Raymond, let's see, love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If they could list those things off, I mean, that is the dream scenario. Now, if I were to say, hey, describe him in nine words like bitter, rude, nasty, 
never, you know, uh, like, well, okay, we took a wrong turn at Albuquerque or something like that. So, something that what didn't go right there. Now, if you were to read earlier on in Galatians 5, you would unfortunately see the fruit or the proof of living according to your flesh. And there's some very nasty things on that list, uh, which we won't go into, but uh, that's the proof that you're really not living the Christian life. There's things like lust, drunkenness, outbursts of anger and rage, things of that nature. And that is a pretty solid proof that you're not living for the Lord. Amen. And so, uh, listen, we also noted last week that it seems to be no coincidence that these, the fruit is listed in the order it's listed in. So the very first fruit listed is love, right? And so I would say, and the reason I say this is because it's what Jesus said too, is that the most important proof in your life that you are a Christian is if you love other people, specifically other Christians. And we saw how in John 13, 35, Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples indeed, if you have love for one another. He said, your love for each other, for the other disciples, for the other Christians is the proof that you're a Christian. And so the number one way that you can tell if someone really is a Christian is if they have the love of God on the inside of them shining out. I don't ever come across somebody that's rude, nasty, mean, and hateful and be like, oh man, they must be a child of God. They're so mean and, and, and evil. I, I mean, you can just say, no, nobody says that. But you you do come across people that are so loving and joyful and full of peace that you're like, wow, I can sense the presence of God on them. They must be a child of God. Who in here, you, you've just come across somebody in life and without them even telling you, you knew that they were born again Christian. And then maybe you found out later like, and you're like, I knew it. I could tell. I knew it. Why? It's the fruit of the spirit. They've got the love of God all over them. And that's how you can tell, man. It's beautiful. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16, you are the light of the world. And I'm telling you that your light shines the brightest when you got the fruit of the spirit shining out of your life. It is incredible. And so we're going to look this week at the second fruit that is listed, and it is the fruit of joy. And I will tell you right now that the Christian life should have joy in it. Does anybody else know that? That the Christian life should be a life of joy. Now, joy is a huge part of our Christian witness, just like love is. If you're full of love, people want to hear what you have to say. And I'll tell you this, if you're full of joy, people want to know what you're so joyful about. Why are you so positive? Why are you so lit up all the time? People want to know. It's beautiful. And what I compare that to is, man, if you ever just been, you know, walking along and you've seen a beautiful fruit tree, what do you want to do? You want to pick some of that fruit. You're like, man, I want some of that, right? Now, if it's on private property, you need permission from the owner. Amen. Yeah. Okay. Amen. Leah, did that hit close to home or just, okay, all right. Because right. I remember we were down in Orange County one time. I thought you grabbed some oranges. Like, anyway, so, um, but yeah, listen, if you see some beautiful fruit on a tree, listen, you want, you want, what you want that. And if somebody in your life, man, if someone you work with, somebody in your neighborhood, someone in your family, they see the joy of the Lord all over you, 
They're going to be like, man, why is it you're always so positive? Why do you always have so much joy? What are they doing? They're picking at the fruit. And here is your answer to say, I'll tell you why, man. It's because of Jesus. And I want to tell you about Jesus. Amen. And so the fruit of the spirit is the proof that you have been born of the spirit. And when you've got the joy of the Lord shining all over your life, People want to know what's up with you, and this is your open door to give them some answers, all right? So we're going to go ahead and get into a few things regarding joy tonight, all right? So let's go. Number one is this. Joy is not happiness, all right? Joy and happiness are not synonymous terms. And a lot of you are familiar uh, with this, but uh, but I, I will break it down for those that aren't. Because happiness is an emotion, right? It's an emotion. And joy is a spiritual condition. So happiness is just an emotion. And I'll say, yeah, I want to be happy. Duh. Everybody wants to be happy. And, and you know, even our United States Constitution says that we have the right uh, to the pursuit of happiness. And I think that that is just a fine and dandy thing. But I know this much that if, if I've got the option between joy and just happiness, I pick joy because it's deeper and people can't steal my joy from me. People can steal my happiness from me because it's an emotion. It's temporary. And I don't know if you know this or much, but your emotions can change. Anybody notice that? For some people, they change more often than they should. But it's okay. Because listen, emotions, they're they're temporary, they change, and other people can control your emotions very easily. I can just start off with the best day in the world, skipping out of bed, singing and whistling and having a good old time. And man, by the time you get to the office, right, somebody could have just done something real stupid and mean. And tell you what, your happiness can be taken away from you by somebody you don't even know. It can be taken away, especially by people you do know. And uh, and oftentimes by those closest to you and those that you really, really love, right? They, they, They can take your happiness, but as I'll show you here in a few minutes, that nobody can rob me of my joy that Jesus gave to me. Amen? And why? Because they're not the ones that gave me my joy, right? So if if other people are the way that I get my happiness, well, if they give it, well, they, they can just take it back at some point, right? But listen, my joy doesn't come from you. My joy doesn't come from my money or the way people treat me or my circumstances. My joy comes from Jesus and none of those things I just listed have the power or the right to take it away because they didn't give it to me in the first place. Amen. And so happiness, you know, as strange as this sounds, someone that always chases happiness will come up empty handed and unfulfilled. I kind of see it as you're trying to catch a cloud or, you know, some steam. You're, you grab at it and then it just slips right through your fingertip. You're, like, you're grabbing it. You got it. And wait, it's not there. And, and it's kind of a, it's kind of a strange thing, but fair question to us. How many of us have chased something that we thought would make us happy? And then when we caught it, we still weren't happy. You thought, man, if I can get him to be my boyfriend, I'll really be happy. Then you found out he's a nut. 
crazy, man. You, and you weren't happy at all. Things were worse than before. Ladies, come, all right, ladies, come on. Yeah, yeah. All right, man. And men, maybe you thought that this wonderful, you know, beautiful young lady would be the key to your eternal happiness. And then it turns out that she wasn't. Okay, we're fair. We, we hit everybody tonight. Amen. We're going to slap everyone. So, um, now, 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 why is it that maybe you, you finally got that job that pays so much money? Or, or maybe your guy, you know, won political office and, or whatever's so important to you. I don't even know. But you finally got what you thought would be the key to you being fulfilled and happy and you still weren't happy all the time. You, you still weren't fulfilled. Why is this? Because God didn't create you to chase happiness around. He created you to live a life of joy. Amen. I don't chase happiness. Of course, I want to be happy. I want to do things that make me happy. But in the end, I am talking about having the joy of the Lord in my life. It's not temporary. It's not going anywhere unless I choose to release it. Now, happiness is shallow compared to the depths of joy. Happiness is shallow compared to the depths of of joy. And you see so many people, especially in our fake, you know, modern age of social media and everything, where you can just begin to, you know, post a video or a picture of just, you know, happy, and people are like, man, this guy's got it all together. Wow. And you, sorry, I'm a little amped up. My bad. Wednesdays I come in swinging. But anyway, so sometimes you're, you know, and you think that someone's got it all together. And really, have you ever noticed that if you if you hang out by by a river, the shallow rivers look like they're just moving super, super fast. But in all reality, they're moving at the same speed as that really deep river. Uh, but you just it doesn't look like it's all wild and all over the place because it's deep. And it's flowing at its, you know, good rate of speed as well. But shallowness has a way of just looking like, woo When really, it's because it's just shallow. Amen? Are you, are you with, some of you are looking at me a little, okay. I don't think it's me tonight. I, don't, I think it's you, okay. But nearly anything can steal your happiness. If that's all, if your life is just based off of what makes me happy, well, hard times can come in and steal that in an instant. Right? Mean people can come in and just steal that away. And I mean, for some people, really quickly, uh, a lack of money. There goes our happiness. But I'm telling you right now, nobody and none of those things that we just listed can steal your joy. So joy is better than happiness. Now, let's start flipping over to John 16. So in John 16, Jesus tells his disciples about his upcoming death and resurrection. And he tells them that, hey, for a while, you guys are going to, you're going to have some sorrow. But he says also that, but hey, but I'm going to give you the gift of joy. Now, this gift, joy that he's talking about, Jesus says something very, very interesting about the joy that he gives. And so John 16, and we're going to look here at verse 22. John 16, 22. Keep in mind, he's talking about telling them, hey, I'm going to die. I'm going to rise again. I'm going to be gone. You will know some sorrow for a period of time. Here it is. John 16, 22. He says, so you have sorrow now, but I'll see you again. Then you will rejoice 
and no one can rob you of that joy. No one. The joy that Jesus gives, I'll even say it this way, the joy that comes from having Jesus in your life, okay, that's what he said, I'm coming back. The joy that comes from having Jesus alive and actively in your life, nobody can rob you of that joy. Do you see that tonight? Anybody know what I'm talking about tonight? That the joy that comes from having Jesus in your life, nobody can rob you of that joy because nobody can take Jesus away from me. You understand that? Nobody can just come and say, you know what? I'm taking Jesus away from you. No more Jesus for you. That ain't happening, man. You can't steal Jesus away from me. He told me, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And at the very end of Matthew chapter 28, he says, I will be with you always, even until the end of the world. Jesus is not leaving me. Nobody is taking him away from me. The only way that there will be a separation of me and Jesus is if I am crazy and choose to walk away from Jesus. That's the only way that there could ever be a separation there. The devil can't separate me from Jesus. Amen. Jesus is not going to separate me from Jesus. The only one that could separate me from Jesus is if I choose to walk away. And let me tell you right now, that will definitely lead to me not having joy. Now, for some people, it leads to some very temporary Happiness, Like, wait a minute. So I stepped away and now I'm living in this mess, but I'm happier than I was over there. It's a lie. It's a setup. It's a trap. The devil's got you right where he wants you so he can pounce on you as soon as you're just far enough away. Don't do it. It's a setup and it's a trap. And so Jesus said, listen, I'm going to give you this joy and no man, no one can rob you of that joy. Now, when we have joy, does this mean that we have a smile on our face 24-7 and we're always skipping? Well, not necessarily. That's ideal. I mean, but hey, let's get real. None of us are just always like that. But here, listen, I, and I was, I was, I was talking to the Lord earlier today. I'm like, Lord, how could, how, tell me, Jesus, tell me, Holy Spirit, how could we define, how could we put into words what it really means to have joy? And I prayed on this for a minute, but I, I, I'm going to say this. Joy, when you've got joy, it means on the inside of us, we're always staying positive. We don't turn negative, even if our circumstances are negative. And I'm going to go a little bit deeper. Joy keeps you stable. And here's what I really want to say. Here, If you're going to write it down, here's what I really want to say. Joy means you don't adjust your life and attitude to the people and circumstances around you. God's joy, listen, real joy means you don't adjust your life and your attitude to the people and circumstances around you. So the love of God is unconditional, no strings attached. But I'm going to take it a step further and say the joy of the Lord is unconditional. You can have joy even in the midst of really hard times. You ever been through something really difficult and, uh, and you just, you've got the joy of the Lord. You've got the fruit of the spirit. And so people are like, 
uh, you, you okay, man? You should like be, you know, falling apart right now. You all right? And you maybe not even know how to describe it or put it into words, but you're like, you know what? I'm okay. You know, I'm, I'm good. I, everything's okay. What is that? It's the joy of the Lord. It is a stabilizing factor because it's not an emotion. People that live by their emotions are the most unstable people in the world. They're up. And then they're down. They're in, and then they're out. Then they're over there, then they're, they're another way over here. They're just all over the place. And if you try to keep up with them and play the emotion game with them to keep them happy, then you go nuts. You don't want that. And so I'm telling you right now that the joy of the Lord is unconditional because it doesn't matter how you treat me, I still have joy. It doesn't matter how much money I've got in the account. I can still have joy because my joy doesn't come with a price tag. My joy doesn't come with how people treat me. It comes from Jesus. You didn't give it to me and you have no right and no ability to take it away. The only way that it's leaving is if I just choose to surrender it, but I'm not going to surrender it. I'm holding on to my joy. All right. And so joy does not depend on your circumstances. And uh, the, the greatest example of this is the Apostle Paul. He wrote about joy a lot. And in fact, especially in the book of Philippians, uh, in a little bit we'll turn there, but right now I want you to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And so Paul was a very joyful person, as you'll be able to see in some of the... Uh, verses we're going to look at here in just a little bit, but we will very clearly prove that Paul was not joyful because of his circumstances. He was joyful because of his inward condition. Does anybody know that tonight? I'm, I'm, he wasn't joyful because his life was just all gravy and roses. Wait, those don't go together. Okay. Uh, his life wasn't uh, wonderful because of biscuits and gravy. It was, amen. It was wonderful. Okay. I'm going to stop. Let me go. Let me just let, pretend that didn't happen. All right. Second Corinthians 11. All right. And what we have here is Paul gives a huge list of some of the things that he has gone through after he became a preacher. So you all know that before Paul was a Christian and a preacher, he had a pretty good life, honestly. I mean, yeah, he persecuted and had Christians killed, but his own safety wasn't really an issue. He had money. He had education. He had uh, esteem and respect. And then he gives his life to Jesus and becomes a Christian and starts preaching all over the place. And here's some of the things that happened to him. And I dare say that nearly anything on this horrific list would be enough to keep most people, uh, it would drive a lot of people, they would quit. They would tap out and say, I can't do this. So, 2 Corinthians 11, and we're going to look here, uh, starting at verses 23 through 28, all right? Not 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 28. And, and Paul says this, are they servants of Christ? And he's talking about uh, people that are trying to compare their life to his. He says, I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. Here we go. He says, I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number. So he's been whipped so many times he lost count. 
that's pretty bad. I mean, I think if I'd been like beaten a bunch of times, I'd probably like, yeah, like four times, man, they beat me up. I, I lost count. I don't even know how many times I've been whipped. All right. He says, and faced death again and again. Five different times, the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. That's the same beating Jesus took before the cross. That killed a lot of people. Paul took that beating five different times. And he still kept preaching. This guy's, I mean, by our standards, we'd say he's crazy. Let's keep going. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. I usually make some sort of a marijuana joke here, but I'm not going to tonight. I'm just going to keep going. So forgive me. All right. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. Can you imagine? You, a day and night just floating out in the ocean, hanging onto a board from the ship that wrecked. I, what a, I mean, that's not fun at all. Verse 26. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers, from robbers. I faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. And so, I mean, it wasn't just one group that hated Paul. They all hated him. Amen. And so I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers, but are not. They're fakers. I added that. Verse 27. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. And besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. Okay, Paul, you win. <laughs> if we're having a competition of who's had a rougher life, Paul's life has been rougher than mine. I'll just say that right now. And uh, and and I, all this, I mean, and 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 the cherry on top. He's in charge of like dozens of churches in all these cities. They answer to him. The Church of Philippi, the Church of Galatia, the Church of Colossae, the, all these churches, the Corinthian church. And and he's like on, on top of getting beat up all the time and and shipwrecked and all this. And I, I've got the burden of all the churches that I'm supposed to look after as well. And through all of that, that would be enough to make a lot of people quit. Would you say so? Because I, one thing that caught my attention is sometimes he's been hungry and thirsty. I mean, I know some people that hungry and thirsty, that's enough to make them quit right there. I'd come to church, but I get so hungry about 11, I just can't take it anymore. Like, wow. Don't say you'd go to jail for your faith when you won't even go to church for it. <laughs> See right through that. Come on, man. Listen, another, uh, anyway, all right. Acts 14. Here's another fun story from Paul. We're just digging into his archives here. Amen. Are we having a good time tonight? Acts chapter 14. This is an interesting story. Who knows? This may be the time that he was referring to when he was stoned. Uh, um, I'm, I'm not sure, but this could be that one time. So Acts 14. And we're going to look... At verses 19 through 20. And so keep in mind, Paul said like, hey, the Jews hate me. They're my own people. You'd think if anybody would love me, it's my own people. They hate me. Gentiles hate me. Everybody. (laughs) Everywhere he goes. Look at this. Verse 19. Acts 14. Verse 19. He says, then some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowds to their side. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of town thinking he was dead. But as the believers gathered around him, he got up 
and went right back into the town. The next day, he left with Barnabas for Derby. And as I'm reading that story, I'm like, wait a minute. If these people thought he was dead, he had to be in extremely bad shape. They stoned people all the time. They knew what it was like to kill somebody with rocks. And so if Paul was laying there and they've thrown so many rocks, <coughs> you know what? He's dead. Let's go. I feel quite confident that he was in horrific condition, and it's possible that he was even actually dead. Some scholars believe that he was fully dead. And you find out later in Corinthians that he tells a story of having a vision of going up into heaven. And he, sa- he says, I was caught up into the third heaven, uh, whether you know I was there in the spirit or actually there. If it was a dream, I don't know. All I know is I saw things so wonderful they can't be expressed in words. And so... I don't know, but I think it is possible that they literally killed the man right here. Either way, whether he was just this close to the doorway of death at the hands of professionals that killed people with rocks, or if he actually was dead, either way, what strikes me about this is they gather around in a circle. They're all standing there like, "Uh, Paul, you good, man? Bro, Paul. And they, they pray over him, right? What does he do? A lot of people would get back up and be like, you know what? I'm never going back over there. They're mean. He could have just walked away. What did Paul do? Paul gets right back up, goes right back into town that night. This man's crazy. Why was Paul so crazy for Jesus? Why could you can't make the man quit? Even killing him won't make him quit. Why? Because he knows that what he believes is the gospel. He knows that they may hate me, but I love them. Amen? Your hate for me will not change my love for you. Your hate for me will not change the joy that I have in the Lord. Now, out of all those things, I shared these two specific passages to get down to this. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4. Now, again, Philippians is known as the joy epistle. Because Paul mentions joy or rejoice more than any other book. And it's it's not a long chapter. And by my own personal count, I just sat there one day and read it and, and put a mark beside each time. Thirteen times that joy or rejoicing is mentioned. And is it the joy epistle because he had finally arrived at a place of luxury and relaxation? No, he was a prisoner when he wrote this book. So, (laughs) no, he wasn't writing this from a place of, man, the hard times are behind me. Now I can really just relax and have a really great time. No, he was a prisoner when he wrote this. And so a very famous verse in Philippians is Philippians 4 and verse 4. And I'm going to read it in the New King James. But he wrote this about four years after he wrote Second Corinthians, where we just saw that list of horrific things that he had endured. So, anyway, here we have it. Philippians 4 and verse 4. Anyone know this verse? Rejoice in the Lord always. Amen. And again, I say rejoice. Amen. How often should I rejoice in the Lord? Always. I love that. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. So how could Paul stay so positive even after all he had been through? Joy. 
And on top of joy, he knew how to do this thing right here called rejoice. And so when you know how to rejoice, man, you can have a good old time with the Lord. You know, if you're going through a bad time, what do you do? You rejoice. You just start recalling and thanking the Lord for the good things he's already done. You thank him that you're not going to hell when you die. You thank him that you're not where you used to be. You thank him that you're not a slave to fear or any other sinful thing, but that you are free in the Lord. You rejoice. It's like you're reheating the excellent meal that you had yesterday. Anybody ever had a good bowl of chili? I'm going somewhere, Megan. Don't stare at me that way, please. All right. So <laughs> I love Megan. But listen, here's the thing about chili. It's delicious if, if done correctly the first day. But there's just something special about chili. When you heat it up the next day, all those spices just explode. And it's even better the second time around. And sometimes, man, you've got joy when God did something real big. But when you just rejoice, it almost makes you even more explosive with positivity and joy. Amen. The next time around. And so... You need to not only have the joy of the Lord, which is a fruit of the Spirit, you need to have this skill of rejoicing in the Lord. Always, every day. And Paul loved it so much, he said, hey, I'll say it again. Rejoice. Amen. This is good news. Hallelujah. And so, one very important thing to learn from Paul is this, all right? And this is a Sunday school, children's church type of thing regarding joy, all right? And it's an acronym. So many of you know this, but a true way to have joy is to do it Jesus, others, and yourself last. Jesus first, others second, and yourself last. Now, I'm going to tell you something that's the truth. If your life is inward focused and all about you, you will never have joy. Nobody is more miserable than a selfish person. Because you'll never get make, you'll never fulfill you enough. You can't do it. And so, if your life is inward focused and all about yourself, you'll never have joy. But I'm going to tell you right now, simply by studying the life of Paul himself, if your life is outward focused and it's all about serving Jesus and other people, you will have joy. Why? You'll have purpose in life. And I'm going to tell you right now, there is a international crisis of people that have no purpose in life. Why? Because they're constantly thinking that they'll find purpose and fulfillment if they can just match up to what they see everybody else on the internet doing. And there are so many people that literally have no purpose in life. And that's sad. And people are killing themselves because of it. They've got no joy. They're depressed. They're down. They're at a terrible low place. They've got no purpose. And if you have no purpose for your life that's bigger than your own happiness, life is very, very empty. It's very, very shallow. And it will never be fulfilling. It's sad when you think about that. And so it is so 
key to your Christian growth, that as you're growing in the Lord, that you find what your purpose is in the body of Christ. You're like, well, I found my purpose. I, you know, I'm a, I, I work at, at, at the railroad. I, I work at Fort Irwin and I make a lot of money and, and I found my purpose. That's great. And I hope that sharing the gospel out there is a part of it, but I'm not talking about what your money making, you know, capabilities are. I'm talking about if you're going to really have joy, you need to find out what it is that God puts you on this earth to do and how it is you can use that gift for the kingdom of God. And I'll tell you this much, serving in church is one huge way to fulfilling part of this purpose. You can't be a, you know, a growing, strong, stable Christian without serving in the house of God. And, you know, that's just the, just the truth of the matter. And I think of it this way, you know, uh, growing up in Indiana in the woods and stuff, there's lots of water. We got a lot of rivers. And, and, and what is that when, when a river is just flowing? My favorite river is the Kings River that runs through Kings Canyon and, and Sequoia National Park. I love this river. It is just, it's beautiful and it's, it's rushing. The water is so fresh and, and all of this. And, and don't judge me. Sometimes I drink out of it. I'm not supposed to, but I just love it. And so, but, but what is it? This water it is just, woo! It's always going. It is fresh. It is alive. It's awesome. Why? Because it's flowing. It's got an inlet, but it's got an outlet too. Then you go to an old stanky pond or a lake somewhere or, you know, your average mud puddle. Did I say that right? And so, listen, what's, what's up with that? You don't want to, you don't want to go drink out of a pond. Or a, or a lake? What? It's stagnant water. It has no outlet. The water comes in, but it doesn't exit anywhere. It just stays there and gets nasty. And there's a lot of Christians that have an inlet. They hear the word. They come to church and receive. And they, you know, it's good. Yeah, praise God. But you will never experience the life that you are supposed to have if there's never an outlet also. You need it coming in, and you need to be letting it go out too. This is joy. There's joy in the river. Amen? Hop on in. Get in the river of life. Amen? I love this. Get in the river, and it's coming in, and it's going out, and you are fresh all the time, man. It is beautiful. But someone that never lives a life beyond what would just make them personally happy, they're stagnant, they're stale, they're shallow, and they never really have joy. And that's not, that's not, that's not a good witness. That's not, that's not the Lord's will for your life. That's why this is a fruit of the Spirit. My goodness, I took a lot of time on point number one. Let's get to number two really, really quickly, or we will be headed to overtime. And I know you don't want that. So, number two, joy is strength. Joy is strength. Well, where'd you get that from? Well, I got it from the Bible, Nehemiah 8.10. Amen? Let's go over there. Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10. We're talking about having joy. Amen? And you should have it. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Yeah, love it. The joy of the Lord. So Nehemiah 8.10, we'll do the part B of the verse. The first part's wonderful about... Trimming the fat and all that stuff. But in Nehemiah 8, 10, 
The second part, he says this, don't be dejected and sad. Why? For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. The joy of the Lord is your strength. I love this verse. And you can see how Paul was strong through it all. How was Paul so strong? Because the joy of the Lord gives you strength. Paul was not a happy person. Paul was a joyful person. And that's the will of God for you too. And so I can tell you this much. And I can say this without fear of contradiction. Every single strong Christian that I admire and that I want to be like, every single one of them, every strong one is also a person of joy. I don't know a truly strong Christian that does not have the joy of the Lord. These things go hand in hand together. The joy of the Lord gives you strength. One reason joy makes you strong is because you can always find the bright side in any situation. I mean, I love people that can be presented with a problem, but already in their mind, they're like, wait, wait, hold on. I, on the surface, this looks bad, but I'll bet if I flip this thing around and did this, this could actually be a really good thing. And you're like, well, who does that, man? I know a lot of people that can look at a bad situation and find a way to flip it around and turn the tables and make it a good situation. I was reading a story about a young young lady who was driving with her dad. And when he showed her what it really means to look on the bright side, uh, they were driving down the road and they hit something. And sure enough, they got a flat tire and boom, 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 boom. And, and this young girl's like, oh, no. And she's all flipping out. And her dad gets a big smile on his face. And he's like, you know what? This is actually really good. I've been wanting the opportunity to teach you how to change a tire. This is the perfect opportunity. This is great. And that's not even a joke. That's a true story. And so what, what am I saying is people that have the joy of the Lord, they have this nearly supernatural ability to always find the positive, the bright side, and to always see just some way to turn it around. I think of David, King David, before he was King David. Everybody else, when Goliath was out there, 40 days, 40 nights, blaspheming the God of Israel, talking trash about them, their moms, their cousins, their babies, and their dad, and their God, and, and all these men of Israel listened for 40 days and cried and hid, and a teenage boy rolls up, and he's like, wait a minute, hold on, hold on, wait, wait. This guy? You mean, I beat this guy. First of all, um, I deliver God's people. That's a plus. Instantly, I'm a hero. Everybody's just going to love me. And on top of that, I get to marry the king's daughter. Hello. And then number, number four, you're tax exempt for the rest of your life. If you didn't, First Samuel 17, read the story. It was part of the deal. Anybody that could take Goliath down, they got to marry Saul's daughter, and they got exemption from taxes for the whole rest of their life. And so David is like, how could I lose? This is great. God's on my side. This is a win-win. Everybody else saw giant, no fear. And David's like, wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. I, I get that. All right. All right. All I got to do is beat him, and then my life is changed forever. Why? Because people that have the joy of the Lord, they have a way. Where everybody else sees problem, they see opportunity. 
Everybody else says, man, this is the worst thing ever. And somebody that's full of the joy of the Lord and, and, and has this strength of God, they can look at the exact same thing like, wait a minute, there is an answer to this. And once we get this thing handled, it's, it's going to be incredible. This is awesome. How do you look at different situations? One last verse tonight, Proverbs 17, 22. And not only is the joy of the Lord just, I mean, hey, it's a spiritual, but it, it can literally change your physical health. And you can Google it yourself. Don't make me do your Googling for you. But if you, if you need, Google it, all right? Just find the medical evidence and links to the, the, the connection between, they would use the word happiness and positivity, but, but the connection between these things and your physical health. People that are joyful and optimistic and positive, the health benefits are through the roof. And people that are negative and doom and gloom and down all the time, there are horrific detrimental effects on your health uh, in, uh, in those situations. So Proverbs 17, and we're going to look at verse 22. Proverbs 17 Verse 22, here it is. A cheerful heart or a joyful heart is good medicine. Amen? You need some medicine. And I'm not a doctor, but I'll write a prescription for this. You need the joy of the Lord in your life. Take it every day. Rejoice every day and you'll start feeling a lot better. Amen? But look at this. But a broken spirit saps a person's strength. The King James says it dries up the bones. Amen. And I, I don't know much about that, but that don't sound no good, right? So listen, listen, a cheerful heart, a joyful heart, a merry heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. It saps a person's strength. And so it is the will of God for you to have the joy of the Lord. It'll give you strength. It'll, I mean, you'll be a great witness and, and, and all of this is possible. And, and so you're like, well, how do I get joy? Well, I'm going to just, let's just list off some very elementary things here. I'm almost done. I promise we'll let you out of here really, really soon. But so what are some basic ways to get the joy of the Lord? Well, you're not going to get it if you don't read the Bible very, very frequently. Promise that you're not going to, you need to worship God. That's a huge key to joy is praising and worshiping the Lord. It does something to you. So the word of God, praising and worshiping is huge. Praying. And none of this is rocket. This is elementary Christianity going to church very, very frequently. I say weekly. Most of the people in this room go multiple times a week. I think all of you go multiple times a week that I see. So you guys are on a very good track to this. All right. But I mean, this is just very basic stuff, but these are all keys to getting the joy of the Lord. And here's a huge one hanging around positive, joyful Christians. That, that does wonders for you. If I hang around negative, downtrodden, long-faced, you know, just whatever people, especially if they're not Christians, you better know that that is not going to just fill up the joy reservoirs in your life. It's not. It'll bring you down. Who you hang out with has a massive impact on your life. 
You got to hang out with the right people. Amen. And so I'm going to tell one final story. It's one of my favorite stories, but I haven't told it. And I think a year and a half or two years, so I'm on good ground here. Some of you haven't heard this story. Amen. Pastor Josh, you can go up there. But so they, they did a study at one point uh, with, a, with a, a pessimistic child and a positive child. They took two kids. All right. And so that they took one kid that was just always, no matter what, pessimistic Right? Do you know anybody like that that's, they always, no matter what, they find the negative, right? You could give them really good news and somehow they find a way to like that it's negative. And then they took a little boy that was always positive and he always found the upside to everything. Alright? And so this is just a, a, a study that, that they did. And so they took the pessimistic child and they put him in a room and they observed and in this room they had video games, candy, toys. I mean, everything a little boy could want. They put every good th- candy and, and video games and, 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 and Spider-Man, everything a little boy wants. And then they sat and they observed and the kid just sat there like nearly in tears. And, and so they, they come up and they talk to him and they're like, so how was your time in there? He was like, it was awful. There was just, there was too many things. I couldn't decide. And then I had anxiety and panic and, and I hated it. I hope that never happens again. Why'd you do that to me? And they're like, okay. Well, the second boy, they put him in a similar room, but it was full of horse manure. Halfway up the wall, horse poop. Right? And, and they, they observe this room, and that little boy is, is digging and throwing it in the air. Woohoo! And he's throwing the, the manure everywhere. Woohoo! And they go there, like, calm down! What's the deal? Why are you so happy? He's like, see all this manure? That means that somewhere in this room is a pony, and I'm gonna find him! Woo! And so, listen, maybe you're surrounded by poop right now, but maybe, Maybe beneath all that, there's a pony in there for you, all right? You'll never know till you dig. But I'm telling you right now, the joy of the Lord will make you strong. And as a Christian, you are to always look for the bright side and you'll find it. Amen. And the Lord can show you through the joy that gives you strength how to turn nasty situations into positive situations and overcome anything that ever comes to you. Amen. We're 10 minutes late. Let's go. Everybody stand up tonight. Amen. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. So that is fruit number two. And then next week we'll, uh, we'll get a little more fruity. We'll go into the third one. Amen. So, uh, hey, listen, we're going to have our prayer team come on up tonight. If you're here and you need prayer, we would love to be in agreement with you. Amen. And, uh, you know, whatever you've got going on in your life, we want to see the Lord work on your behalf and bring you through it. So I'm going to have Pastor Josh lead us in some worship for a minute here and if you don't need prayer then hey good for you we love you but pray for the others that do need prayer amen let's go i put my faith in jesus my anchor to the ground my hope and firm foundation He'll never let me down I put my faith in Jesus My anchor to the ground My hope and firm foundation He'll never let me down
let me down I put my faith in Jesus My anchor to the ground My hope and firm foundation He'll never let me down No, He'll never let me down Great is Your faithfulness to me Great is Your faithfulness to Unto the setting same I will praise your name Great is your faithfulness to me Great is your faithfulness to me I put my faith in Jesus my anchor to the ground my hope and firm foundation he'll never let me down I put my faith in Jesus my anchor to the ground my hope and firm foundation He'll never let me down No, He'll never let me down Great is Your faithfulness to me Great is Your faithfulness to me from the rising sun to the setting same I will praise your name great is your faithfulness to me hallelujah amen would anybody receive from the word of God tonight? Amen. Who's ready to have the joy of the Lord as your strength? Amen. Well, it belongs to you. It is a fruit of the spirit and it belongs in your life. We're going to close things down here. Uh, I want to uh, remind you that we need a few good men or women to help us next door uh, to get some tables set up for the funeral tomorrow morning. So we'd super appreciate that. Um, Brother Lawrence should be over there and we'll kind of let him uh, direct that where, where things need to be. And, uh, you know, so thank you for always helping out with things like that. Uh, uh, this weekend is going to be great, so be here at church. It's going to be awesome, and uh, the rest of the summer we've got some great stuff coming up too. So let's pray, and then we'll do our Barstow Faith Confession. Amen. 
Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for what we've seen in your word tonight. And Lord, we know that it is your will and we are supposed to have the joy of the Lord as a fruit and a proof of God's spirit, Lord, renewing us and living on the inside of us. We thank you. And Lord, for any of us here that maybe feel like we haven't really been living in that joy, Lord, I thank you tonight was a chance to be uh, refreshed, a chance to be built up and encouraged and to start getting into the joy of the Lord like we need to be. And so we love you and we thank you for it. Use us the rest of this week, Lord, to, to be the joy of the Lord everywhere we go and to show people how awesome it is to be a child of God. It's the best thing. We thank you for it, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name. Can everybody say amen? All right, let's speak some faith over Barstow tonight. Let's go. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we'll see you this weekend.